Hi everyone, welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys. Um, another special guest with me today. I've uh, ventured back into the world of football um, and in particular a very, very big player from a big club. I'm joined by ex-Rangers, ex-Newcastle and ex-Danish international footballer Peter Lovenkrantz. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Lockdown, not really much we can, uh, not really much we can do at the moment. Um, so there's not really much conversation to be had on. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Still in lockdown. That seems to be the way most conversations are going. But what I want to do today is take you on a wee bit of a journey. Um, get your get your mind working. Take you back quite a few years. Um, and I want to start. You were born 29th of January 1980 um, in lovely Denmark. Uh, take me back to your childhood, your family background. Tell me a little bit about it growing up. Yeah, um, so I'm from a I'm from a um, a, a place called Allered in Denmark. It's like twenty minutes outside of Copenhagen. Um, it's a wee, wee village um, who's now actually grown more and more. Every time I come back, it looks different. You know, it's it's getting bigger and bigger. You know, so it's. Uh, it's a wee place, very quiet. So I grew up um, basically, basically there um, with my family, my, my older brother and my mum and dad. And my dad was a house painter um, for many, many years. He had his own painting company um, where I eventually also kind of ended up uh, with my brother. We both kind of worked for my dad when I left school because of um, we were wait, both waiting for football things to happen. and. Um, so, I, so I left school and started going in there because I wanted to play football. I just uh, kind of done that as I, not because I wanted to, but because I needed to kind of earn some money a mm -hmm. bit. So, but going back before that, you know, I was uh, five years old when I started playing football um, and badminton at the same time. To be fair, and uh, it was it was a strange one for me because um, when I was five, the, the team I started playing with um, they didn't have one in my year group. So I had to play with the boys that was uh, a year to two years older than myself. Um, I've done that for about, yeah, what did I do? Almost 10 years um, where I played with these boys. Um, and then I kind of made a decision. I wanted to go back a year group to play with all my school friends and all that at the age of about 15. Um, and uh, yeah, it was kind of then on, it kind of started for me to kick on. But I think that, that's because I was playing with these older boys for so many years that I was used to players that was faster, bigger, stronger. Um, from I was and I was very small, but I was very fast. But um, that's why I could probably cope with it. But um, I think that's kind of put me aside and took it, um, away from the kind of guys I was with playing style wise. So I was kind of in a level a little bit ahead of all these guys that, uh, that I came with and. Um, that I grew up with all my pals and, and stuff. And I started to stand out because um, I could handle the ball better and I was fast and I could dribble and that. So um, that's when it all started to kind of uh, happen. And no I get noticed a lot and uh, by clubs wanted me to, I think I got offers from uh, Udinese and stuff like that at a young age to go to the academies just to live. And I felt it was too young for me and I didn't feel I wasn't ready. So I kind of, I kind of took away to said no to that and no thank you and I wanted to stay home and develop just play with my friends and and it wasn't until I was about 17 um 16 17 I got also into the Danish national team youth you know I think it was under 17th um national team I kind of started to get into a wee bit um under 18th but 
I kept getting knocked back for under 15, 16s national team. I kept making it to the last kind of group before you to pick it. And then I got always took apart and never made it. And I was always, it was bugging the hell out of me because I was, I felt it was good enough. Um, but it kept picking the same players and never took a chance on me in any way that way. And it just kept me hungry. And then, I mean, like, I just kept pushing and kept pushing and striving. And a lot of these players that I actually, I played with then, who picked, got picked over me, never made it kind of really big. And that yeah. was quite interesting. You know, you, you look at it in that way of, yeah, I, I'd over, I felt like I'd overlooked, but I had to keep developing. Was that your early experience, maybe of just a bit of politics within, within sport <laughs> that does exist? I don't know if it was politics, but yeah, I think also the, the bit was that I was still in my hometown, my boys' club at that point, um, and it was a small, small club. So, mm-hmm. and it was these players from Brunby and and, and Copenhagen yeah. areas, like a bigger clubs, who kept getting picked um, ahead of me, and and I I felt that was a bit unfair at that point. Um, but that was just because I was hungry for it and I was desperate to to kind of make it in that way. And the only thing I cared about was football. But to be fair, at that time, I was playing badminton on the same thing. I was playing badminton on a really high level. I was actually, I won the Danish Championship with the under, wow. uh, yeah, about three years with the under, uh, from age 12 to 14, 15. Um, especially, especially, I love my mixed doubles and doubles I was good at. Um, and I had to kind of pick because it started to get really intense. You know, I was literally going from badminton training to football training to driving from one to the other. Yeah. In weekends, you know, it was football matches, but it was also so I was going for badminton to the other. So, yeah, but to be fair, see, uh, yeah, in the weekends they they would take me here, there, and everywhere uh, to tournaments and stuff. But I was, I was in my hometown. You could bike everywhere, so right, okay. I was literally biking myself to badminton and biking myself then from badminton to football. Uh, and then I was home, so I was away all day, basically. But they didn't yep. see me until I came home for about eight o'clock at night. Yeah, so I was uh, basically with all my pals. We were literally biking from badminton to football, like four or five hours, then home again. We, so we drive by one house and drop one off to, then to the next one, drop one off, and then on the way home. And it was um, it was great times, you know. Also, you're out and about, and you know, my mum didn't really see me until eight o'clock at night. You know, coming home from school to one thing to another, and it kept me active. Um, I was a very active boy, so it was uh, it was uh, it was very very good, but. You know, that was kind of like how I kind of grew up in that way. Where, um, I kind of done these things and um, I just kind of had to kind of pick, you know. So at the end, you know, football was 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 my my first. But I, I think it benefited me also doing another sport like badminton, for example, because my agility to get around the pitch, I was fast, you know. I mean, so I was, I was sharp in my footwork and stuff like that. Everything, I think, benefited me. But not only that, I'd, I'd done, I loved playing basketball, so I, I was doing a lot of jumping because I literally played basketball all the time as well, so that helped me as well. I had a really good leap when I was playing football, so I think all these things benefit you as well. But like I said, you know, it was getting really tough, and I, I, I had lit somewhere, sometimes went for badminton tournaments, I had to leave uh, early, and sometimes I wanted to get knocked out in a badminton tournament because I know I had a football match in half an hour's time, so I had to kind of... Do these things to, yeah, it was just the way, you know, you were as a young boy um, and suddenly, and I also have to mention my, my brother, you know, my brother was a big influence on in me growing up with my football and my dad. Um, he, my dad was my coach kind of thing in my very young years. Um, and uh, not that he pushed me in any way, he just loved football, loved watching, loved having mm-hmm. us and coaching us and he was us. But 
I'm a brother that's six years older than myself. It was uh, had benefited me hugely, and I have to be honest. And I've just finished my pro license uh, coaching, and that on that license, I really realised when we went into the depth of mentality in football and stuff like that, that and how big an influence my brother actually had in my career was um, was huge. He uh, from a young age, you know. Uh, I remember, you know, going out every day in the back garden, basically competing against him. He's six years older, you know. Think about that yeah. right now. If we have a youth player at a youth system who's playing with people, somebody who's six years older than himself, mm-hmm. it's a big challenge. Yeah. Um, and I had that at home every day competing, and I still to this day, me and my brother are so competitive. You won't <laughs> believe we is literally he compete is he about badminton. Yes, he was badminton as well, so we played all the time as well. Um, is we just we can compete about anything it's the most stupid things we start competing about um and you know it's just we've always had a very competitive family but like having him pushing me you know without him knowing in that way you know i mean doing keepy uppies and i wanted to beat him and, and this and that you know it's think about six years older than me that's a lot of tasks you know, for yeah. me and physicality you know we used to take each other out. I mean, like sliding tackles and, and all that, you know, I had to deal with all these things going up. And it, I think that's I had a massive factor in, you know, me and my football and have to deal with my, my brother in that way. And, you know, he was always looking after me and even though he was taking me out now and again, but it was, he, he, he was a big, big factor in, in, in how I've ended up with my football career. Um, but then going on to when I was about 17, I got... Um, I got an opportunity. I, I kept getting asked for a lot of clubs at that point. Bromby was in after me and Lingby, and there was a big clubs were kind of coming for me and asking me to go. But there was a club called AB, so AB called Academy Sport Club. Um, they were um, they were very keen on me, but I knew they had a, an unbelievable youth team because mm-hmm. we used to play with them with my boys' club, and they battered us. You know, like, I remember we lost eight one to them. I scored actually in that game, but we lost eight one, um, and they had some unbelievable players. Um, so I remembered that, and with all with the like I said to you, with the fourteens and fifteens, sixteens Danish national team, when I kept getting to these players, some of them were always there as well. So I can see some of them made the team as well, national team and that. So I knew they had a good use, and they were very close to my hometown. Um, so they were only like ten minute drive on the motorway, so we were not that far. Or you had to go the motorway. Was that? I had to go. I had to drive. I bike was out the window on that one. Uh, couldn't really bike there, but it was it was very close. And um, I kind of went against a lot of the, the stuff that was in Denmark. We're talking about all oh, going to big clubs like Ipsy Copenhagen and Brøndby and that at that point. And Brøndby was a big big one at that point, but. I thought, no, I want to go to AB, and they had scouted me a few times and came to me, and uh, and I wanted to go and play in that team. So that was when I kind of made the big decision at seventeen to go there. Um, and I, yeah, when I mean, you're looking back now, how quick that actually went from there to I uh, got Rangers. Probably got you more notice. Probably got you. Probably started. Obviously, that's yeah. changing things because you broke into the the Danish, the, you know, the nineteens team. Um, you know, even yeah. at, you, you even go on in nineteen ninety eight to get the Danish under nineteen player of the year. Yeah. So you went yeah. from not getting selected, made a little club move, probably around the right time in your in your teens, mm-hmm. and that seemed to be it was it was time to go basically, and it was it's worked well. Yeah, it it was it was time to go. It was exactly the right time to go, and I picked the right moment, and I think I picked the right club because we went. I went there, and we I went into their league, and they my home my home team uh, club boy club were in league we won the league two 
in the youth we won League Two. Uh, but these were in the Division One, A, B, with Drawn B and all them, the top ones. And we went in and we we won the league my first year. I got top goal scorer in the league in my no, first really? year uh, with, the, with, the, with the with the 17th team. And we um, we went see, when we won the league over there. They do it probably a lot different to to do here and now. But we won the league, and then you go into a national. Uh, so it's called the elite league. So okay. the winner and the number two from our group, and because in Denmark you have three different the islands. So you okay. got Shilland, we're Copenhagen. So you got Dens in the middle, and then you got Uland. It's the big ones connected to Germany, um, and you go into a elite. So their league teams from the other islands go into one big elite. So the best teams in the whole of Denmark of that year group. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were going into that, but after I got top goal scorer and we won the, the first division. The first team manager took me up and gave me my debut at 18. Um, when we were just before to be we starting that tournament, the new elite league that we were, we were favoured to go and win because we had battered everybody else and we were, we were doing so well. And I scored my debut at 18. Um, and that was me. I never didn't ever see the guy says uh, the manager went and said to the manager, He's, You're not getting him back down. And they were raging because did they not? They didn't really the the no. a chance to win that after you performed so well, and you lose your main striker. They would have been a bit gutted at that point. Yeah, yeah, they, they were, and I remember talking. But they were so buzzing for me. They, all all the guys were like so happy for me in, in that way. But then it, then it was a difficult time a wee bit because um, I thought really well, and they had to get me tied down to a contract. So I got to I signed a new contract and a first team contract. My brother had. And now also got a contract there, the, the first team, and was in there. So I had uh, my nice. brother again with me, um, and now help, of course. So we were, so I was living where did now. He, where did he my play? Dad. What position? What position did your brother play? He he was um he was a left winger, um, but then got moved sometimes to left back. No, but I was not because in my youth, all my youth and all through my years, I was a striker. Right, I was okay. playing up front. Yeah. And uh, that's that's what I've always been a striker. It wasn't until I get to Rangers and they put me out in the left left yeah, wing in a four four two. But so I've always been a striker. Um, and so basically, I had my brother. So we were literally leaving. He was he had got his patent degree at that point. I was starting my patent degree when I went to AB, and mm-hmm. we literally went from from painting in the mornings. Got me better leeway from my dad because he owned a company, but so we painted in the morning and leaving to go for training afterwards. And yeah. so both of us at then that point signed a full contract and we were both in the first team. Um and it was yeah, it was fantastic. It was a dream for me to now be in a first team professional football player. You got paid to do that. So I couldn't do the painting anymore. And my dad just went, That's fine, you don't need to do painting stuff, just go and focus on the football. Like, and you know, there's exactly. a there now. So he obviously dad obviously realized that you know my son's got what it takes now and, and allow you to go on your merry way? Uh, well, my dad has done that basically through my whole career, uh, even when I was younger than that, as in school, because school, I, looking back, I was terrible. Um, I didn't do my school work like it should be. And I, I, that's one of my biggest regrets now, looking back. I wish you could could have told my younger self that, you know, we need to stick into it and focus on these things. And mm. But in that, my younger years, I was, the only thing I cared about was hanging about with my friends and playing football. That was basically it. And uh, my dad just never, went, and my mum as well, never really uh, pushed me in any way. They always just protected me and it was when, no, that's fine. Even when the teachers went, oh, but he's not doing this and that. And they were like, that's fine. He's going to do football anyway. Um, and they were like, I, but you can't. My dad went, no, but he'll go in my painting company if it's not working out. 
so he he was basically just let me do what I need to do, and and he always had my back in that way. You would have went back and taken over the taken over the family business. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, but again, you would have needed an education to do these things as well. For for but looking back, that's something that I've always regretted a wee bit. But probably something now you pass now, on to your, you pass on your, your your kids now. Yes, you'll be very yes. You know, make sure that their academics are are, are given the focus. Even in oh, class, definitely. I'm sure you want them to play sport, but you know the acad- I, I, I have to say I'm the same, Peter. I, I was in school, all I cared about was sport, and I, mm-hmm. I didn't focus. And you do, you get to the later years now, and you think I should have done that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit. My wife as well. We're both the same. We're a little bit focused and making sure the kids do the right thing in school, do the school work. But they're very good. My two girls in, in school are doing a fantastic job. You know, they're, they're very focused and doing it. They're not like anything I was so <laughs> in that way. So I'm happy. I'm happy now. That's probably down to my wife. She's extremely good of making sure that they do what they need to do with school and all that. Um, but then, then going on from um, when I was about, yeah, so 18, got my debut and scored. It kind of all changed because... Um, I was this also in the media started changing. I was this new thing, like you said. I got Player of the Year. Yeah, you know, I mean, I got Player of the Year. I got into the national team. I got. Uh, I was doing really well with the national team as well. Um, and I, I got a bad injury. Uh, a wee bit of cover. I got um, a ligament kept kept twisting my my right ankle, and I kept pulling my ligaments. Um, and after I'd done it about three or four times, um, they were so loose, you know, my right one was, one of the ligaments were not strong enough and I had to get it strong, strengthened up. So I had to get an operation um, and I was about, what, 19 at that point. And um, I got the operation and then we have started, but you have to understand, but back then in Denmark, you know, it wasn't like it is now when you have the physios and, and these people to yes they had physios to to help you kind of thing but not like you have now forgive me not but you have had a rangers um that, that kind of helps you now you have to kind of do a lot of things yourself you can only yeah. guide you to tell you okay you do, you do this this and that but it's up to you to know not they are working with you at times you know it's up to yourself to kind of do that so it was a hard that was a hard period for me to try and do that after also all the hypes of being doing so well as a youth talent and then to to suddenly have a setback like that was was tough and uh, to try and get back into the team was difficult manager changed um it was really tough and um i suddenly got over that and i got back into kind of uh, playing ways again i started feeling confident again in my, my ankle and i was doing really well and um, suddenly it happened so fast you know i was i think i was there was six games, seven games, no, seven, eight games to go in the league. And we had a cup game. I came into the cup game and I scored in a header and get on. There was about five games to go. Uh, I scored a hat-trick. Um, and then um, my first hat-trick in the league, my, hat-trick, my first league goals, and it was three goals in that, that year. Mm-hmm. Um, then went on to, we played Bronby, uh, who was going for the title that year. And they were, there was two games to go and they were going, uh, we were playing them at home. And they were fighting against Hefulia. Um in the same year. They two teams were fighting. I don't know what even points pretty much. Um, and we played them at home and I scored two and we won two nil. And that point I found out afterwards there was about eleven clubs watching me in the stand because at that point I had done so well for the under under twenty ones national team and uh, done really well at that point. So I had created a wee bit of interest because of my hat trick and all that kind of thing. Um 
and then I hit it at the right time. Bit of luck, you know. What I mean, you need that bit of luck sometimes in football. I can vouch for that, you know. It's, yeah. you know, I mean, imagine scoring against the, the title, the guy who goes, the people who goes for the title, and I pretty much ended it for them there because they lost to us, and the other team won it. Their game going into the last game, they only needed to to just see it out or whatever, and then they won the league. So Bromby didn't win the league that year because of that. Um, but I ended up getting all these offers. Newcastle was coming in after me, Valencia and. Into Milan, there was big, big clubs coming in for me. Wow. Um, they was all sitting watching me, um, and that's when I was Newcastle, very, very close to going to Newcastle. So I spoke to um, Shepherd, came across the owner at that point, um, came across to speak to me and my dad, and we kind of agreed to go and see the stadium, go see the place. And I remember the day before we were about to leave, my agent phones me and says we need to fly to Glasgow first <clears throat> uh-huh. before we fly to Newcastle. Good to hear. And uh, so I was like, okay, um, that's interesting. So we flew over to Glasgow and uh, we ended up, we, we went there and we got took it for dinner and suddenly I had a, a standing outside. Never forget this though. It was one of the biggest moments though. I was standing outside of um, a restaurant. We were about to go inside and I get handed the phone from my agent and he was like, yeah, somebody needs to speak to you. I was like, okay. Um, so I took the phone and, uh, and I went alone. and it was, it was Brian Loudrop. And uh, I was like, you know, he was a starstruck Brian Loudrop and his brother Michael was some heroes of mine. You know, they were like unbelievable. Favorite player, uh, favorite so... player for me as well, Brian Loudrop. Grown up, <laughs> Brian Loudrop. I know, but um, you know, for he, he and him being starting to speak to me about the club and telling me about how good the place is to live and, and all these type of things just made me excited. And I was like, oh, this, this could be good. And then I ended up going to see the stadium and meeting David Murray. And basically, there and then, um, I kind of decided not. I'm I'm signing here, so I ended up signing with Rangers, and I didn't go to Newcastle to see the place, and they were not happy at well, all. You know, it was didn't go well. Still, I'm surprised then after you gave them the cold shoulder that you know we'll go on and chat about that later. But you obviously go and have a stint mm-hmm. for a couple for a good couple of years at Newcastle, so it's it's weird the way things just work out. But listen, all, all of uh, I'm sure the the Glasgow the big club in Glasgow Rangers. You know, I'm sure many were very happy that you're. You know, your plane deviated and went towards Glasgow instead. So, what are you right now? You're 19, you're 19 20, 20, what, what age were you? 20. Yeah, I was 20 years old when I signed for Rangers. So, 20 years old, you're, you're in a new a new city, Glasgow, vibrant, vibrant city. You've also come into probably the biggest club rivalry in, in world football, <laughs> apart from maybe, you know, the only ones you could compare is maybe over in Argentina or something, some of the clubs over there. But Celtic and Rangers, you know, massive, massive rivalry. As a youngster coming yeah. in, did you did you did you know much about that? Did you realise the extent of it at that point? If funny enough, you know, a lot of people didn't really know that, but I was I was always I've been a Rangers fan since Brian Loudrop got there. So because okay. Brian was there, we, we were following my dad actually and my mum used to fly to Glasgow a lot to actually uh, go to games, to in and see Gaza and buy and Loudrop mm-hmm. and stuff like that, the games. And went up afterwards, they always went up in the Highlands and, and oh, so do me pubs plenty, up so there. You knew, and, you knew plenty about Glasgow Rangers then? Yes, I knew a lot about Rangers. And my dad, this is a funny one, my dad always used to come home from these trips and used to go into me and go, oh, you playing Rangers and no, I need to go Rangers. And, and I was like, no, no, no. I was just, I want to go and play in Barcelona. And, you know, and, and it was always my favourite Barcelona. So I was like, no, I want to go to Spain and this and that. And I ended up at actually a Rangers bit. A lot of people didn't know that. I was, like, me and my dad was actually Rangers fans, you know, kind of grew up because of Brian Loudrop. You know, you mm-hmm. went there. So we followed the game. So I knew about it. But 
I didn't know the rivalry between Rangers and Celtic until you actually get there and you experience it. You know, you hear about it, but you don't really know about it until you actually experience it yourself. So mm-hmm. that was a bit different. You you talk about, you know, you're talking about all your upbringing and it sounds like it was a really good upbringing. It sounds like a class upbringing, but you were always challenging yourself. You're always up against older kids and your, your brother's six years older than you. So that was obviously setting you up nicely for the challenges you're coming ahead because you've come to a tough place, you know, Scottish football. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, you're going to get some some thuds here and there. You've got to go to Motherwell away and places like that. It's going to you're going to have some tough tough days. So how did you did you set how did you settle in? How was the squad with you? I mean, you obviously came in with some big players. I mean, if I'm right in saying probably the likes of Amoruso would have been there, um, Klaus, Rickson, Newman, Van Bronckhorst, De Boer. All these guys, you were, you know, yeah. how what were they like to come into a squad like that? Um, yeah, they were unbelievable as a squad. First of all, I just want to say that you know my brother had just signed for St Johnson two weeks before I signed for Rangers. So okay. again, I had my brother only an hour drive for me up in Perth. You know, so that was also huge for me that I'd be able to have my brother, my brother, that I'm best, one of my best friends. You know, growing up, you know, it was. Mm-hmm. Having him so close helped me settle in a lot, lot easier. I know when in the beginning you just I left training, just go up to my brother and his his wife and kids and stuff. You know it was it was nice, but the squad I, I went into at that point at Rangers was incredible. You know, like you said, all the names you just said there, but you know like George Alberts and, and these people were just fantastic with me. Um, Kanchelskis, you know, he was so funny and Marco Negri as well, and uh, it was it's a great squad, and I was very pleased and very lucky to have been part of a squad like that. Um, but and it's funny enough, Fernando Riggs and me and him, we signed at the same time, um, actually Kenny Miller as well. And uh, um, and Fernando and me used to car share from the moat house at that point. It's called the moat house. I think it's Crown Plaza now, but it was the moat house next to the Clyde. Yep, we oh, we yeah. stayed there and Fernando got a company car quite early. I was still waiting for mine. But so Fernando used to take me back and forward from training to the hotel until we got our houses sorted and stuff, out living places and stuff. So... Um, so me and Fernando bonded quite well, and, and going back and forward, you know, there he was he was so good to me in that way. Um, but one of the biggest for me was Michael Moles and and, and Arthur Newman, especially they they two were fantastic to help me settle in. You know, they 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 used to come and pick me up with Fernando because of the Dutch thing, Fernando. They used to come and pick Fernando up, but and then they say, no, you're coming out for dinner, and I was like, no, no, because I felt. There were big superstars, and, and yeah. I felt a young boy, 20 years old, I was like, no, no, I'm okay. And they were like, no, you're coming out and get out of your room and we all come up and get you and stuff like that. And they That's took you want. out That's for dinners and lunches. You want, to be, you want to be encouraged. So you, do, you know, maybe like you say, you were probably a bit starstruck when you first got there. You know, yeah, think, but definitely. It, it sounded like they made you feel, sounded like a great bunch, good family unit. No, they were, they were brilliant. They were excellent for that. It was so good in, in, in getting you getting me involved. But also, to be fair, uh, that was the youth team, because I signed for Rangers' first team, but I was at that point in my first year, I was playing a lot of games for the races at that point, the, the 21s. And um, I, I bonded a lot with a lot of the boys. There was a Pierre McDonald who worked um, in on for Dundee and St. Johnston especially, and, and, and done really well. He, he looked after me coming in. And, you know, these young boys was good for me, but for, for Nathan Newman and and Michael Moles and, and Fernando and George Alberts and these type of players were just phenomenal to get me involved because I, I was quite shy uh, coming in a wee bit like humble you know, in a way where I felt like I didn't want to intrude on these superstars kind of thing but they just made me feel part of the first team and, and part of it at all and you know that helped me settle in so much better than, uh, than I did before especially for uh, Arthur because like I said I get put out in the left wing in a 4-4-2 
Um, even never played that position for in my life. Uh, I was a bit lost in Fernando afternoon and lucky enough I had him behind me in my first couple of years and he basically helped me so much because he, yeah, he I remember he always came up to me in my first game. First game I started and he said to me, you, know, you could see I was nervous. I was standing and he'd come up and he was like, You'll be all right, you'll be fine. He says, uh, one thing though, I don't want to see you anywhere near me. As soon as you get that ball, just get away from me and get up that pitch and I'll sort all the defensive stuff. So it just helped me settle down, and you know, it was he. It was he was such a help for me. Talked me through the games. You know, I mean, move left, move right. I didn't even have to look back and just hear him guiding me through the position and stuff like that, and make me learn. And so I was. It was a learning progress for me as well. You know, I had to learn to play that position. You know, I've never done it before, but um, yeah, it kind of worked out anyway. I think. Well, you got. You got, I mean, the experience of the team that you came into there just sounds. You know, it's brilliant to hear that they just all took you under their wing. You were obviously a bit of a golden boy coming in, young lad. You know, big, but, but you came in with the right attitude as well. They probably warmed, probably warmed to you very quickly. And but you went on after you after you settled settled in at Rangers. You went on to be part of a team that that won two titles. Um, but one of the moments that I think it must just be it must just you must still pinch yourself is two thousand and two uh, Scottish Cup final. You score a last minute winner against Celtic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's still yeah, still to this day. It's, it's I can still get goosebumps when I watch it. Um, and uh, it was actually the beginning of this lockdown. They showed it again. They showed the whole game again on TV. Uh, I remember, and that was kind of the first time my kids, my two girls, they sat what down with me and we sat and watched it all. Yeah, it was quite funny because they've all they've seen me when growing up through the years. You know, they've they've seen me sign autographs and people talk to me about the, that goal and other goals and stuff, but. They'd never really seen what I've done, you know, in that yep. way, and to be able to sit and watch what I did, there. and now you know, understanding what that goal means to people here um, in Glasgow, it's uh, it was quite special for me as well to sit with my kids and show them. Um, but yeah, that goal was. To be fair though, and to be honest, it's it's not when you when when it happened, I knew it was big, I knew it was massive to score that goal when we won the league and still won the title of the cup and that, but. It's not until kind of afterwards what you see the reaction, you know, we're now after that and you years to come after the stories you hear about how much it's meant to people and, and these things that how you realise what you actually did that day. Um, and that's what makes it special for me. You know, I love to hear these stories from people to tell me that they were there with their dad or their brothers or whatever it was they were there with and they meant so much to them and some of them passed away, but, you know, there was a the last thing they seen and all that, you know, these, these things are just, Incredible to be part of, and I'm just privileged. Really add to the moment, is but but you know it's 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 probably going to get talked about in 20, 30 years. Peter Lovingrand's last minute goal, you know things like that put you in put you in the history books. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, but at the time you didn't know that. You know, I was twenty two years old and young boy. You know, living dream. You know, playing, being famous football and playing well and and scoring goals like that was winning cups and. You don't think about it that now. It's now when you're getting older and, and stuff, you realise what you actually did back then was just incredible. You know, it was uh, it's a feeling that you wish you can get back. Um, trust me, it's, yeah. it's 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 incredible. You know, to to relive a moment. You know, I mean that that would have been one of the biggest moments to relive. What well, Celtic games and you know, you've I've, I've listened to insights from so many other big players from both from both teams. But you know, could what 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 is it like when you're when you're getting in the tunnel and you're walking out to an old farm, whether it's at Ibrooks or whether it's at Parkhead, you know, what's the what's the is it like a what's the pressure like? What's what are you feeling? Is it adrenaline? Is it excitement? Yeah, it's 
it's excitement, yes, definitely. You know, it's in, the adrenaline takes over, but I was always nervous. And no matter what game it was, Champions League or whatever, I was always nervous. But I think nerves are good. You know, I mean, I think it's important you have nerves because um, it sets you up for it. Um, I remember it's quite funny. I actually remember the before the cup final, we were sitting in, in the changing room, about to go out to to the game, and I couldn't stop yawning. Not because I hadn't slept in a lot, but I was I was yawning. But I'd done that when I was nervous. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. I was I was yawning a lot. So I remember Barry Ferguson came over to me. He was like, "What the hell are you doing? You know, sleeping last night? Or you know, you're sitting yawning. I mean, I'm just nervous. You went, ah, don't you went, don't worry, you'll be absolutely fine." And he says, uh, "Yeah, don't worry, just go enjoy it." And then after after this history now, but yeah, these things I still got that. You know, I still got nerves before every game and, and stuff. And I think that's good for you. I think it's good to have a wee bit of nerves sometimes. You know, moving moving on, you you didn't just have success in Scottish football when you were at, when you were at uh, when you were at Rangers. You, you had a really successful couple of times in the Champions League, but in particular towards the end of your time at Rangers, kind of two thousand five, two thousand six, mm-hmm. you had a you know Rangers made the last sixteen, and again you were part of a big big moments because you you scored in the victory. I think it was against Porto, and then you. Drew scored the goal that got the draw at Ibrox against Inter Milan, which then secured Rangers going into the final 16. Big, big moments again in your career. Oh, yeah, scoring in the Champions League was always one of my biggest dreams. Like playing for Danish national team, scoring uh, in Champions League and playing in the Champions League was one of my biggest, biggest things I was dreaming about as a young, young boy. Um, and I actually ended up doing that. Both of them was was fantastic. Um, I'll never forget my first goal against Stuttgart in the Champions League. Uh, we won two one. Came off the bench at half time and scored two one, and we won two one. That was that. Feel, oh, that was an incredible experience to score in the Champions League. You, you can actually see it in my face. Was that Ibrox or that's Ibrox? Yeah, Ibrox. One nil down and kissing the ling. I scored two one each, and I scored to two one. Um, but you can actually see my my celebrations afterwards. It's this disbelief of scoring in the Champions League in the way I'm. You can see, I can see it in my face, but it's like it was just a dream to then go on to do it again against Porto and against Inter Milan. To go through was incredible. Nice. The Inter Milan one was at that point. It was incredible because at that point I was getting a lot of stick, a lot, a lot of stick in the press and um, and even as fans as well. And I was going through a really tough time at that point at Rangers, and it was difficult to deal with and. That goal and a wee bit of relief that kind of went through me. Um, I got to play up front and I went through running from halfway line myself through with a goalie. Felt like felt like I was running about 500 meters, not not, a, not about 60 or 50 meters, what it was, but it felt like forever. But it was to tuck it away and ended up drawing the game to go through was just incredible, you know. Especially what I went through that kind of year, uh, it had been really tough for me uh, mentally to deal with the the. The, the stick I took at that point um, to then go on on a and then I started going on this run from then on um, scoring goals in the league but then also scoring against Villarreal and, and home and away in the last 16 was was so special you know I mean to, to be so close for us to actually go through to the, to the quarters was was it was gotten that we never made it but it was um, a really proud moment of myself to, to be part of a good team performance but also for myself to score in both home and away against a good good team you um, you touched there on, I think, a part of sport that maybe a lot of the people from the outside in that haven't played sport at a high level don't really don't really understand sometimes. And that's, you know, growing up, I would have watched Peter Lovencrantz playing at Ibrox, you know, scoring, go- scoring goals, celebrating, you know, this guy's living the dream. 
But you talk about the challenges of going through times where people are questioning your place in the team. You know, they are they, you, they think you're not good enough to play in the Champions League. All these things that you're that are, that are playing in your mind, and you touched on the mental side of the, of, of the game. There, it's it's massively important, isn't it? The the mental side of the game. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, of course, always see oh, the, the good money and, and playing and being famous football and scoring goals and all that. That's the only one side of it. You know, they don't see the mental side of what you need to be able to deal with on daily basis. Um, daily basis of meaning fans, opposite fans, media, um, who is, like you say, questioning yourself and questioning your abilities. You can believe in yourself so much, but when you when you hear people out there talking about uh, you in a very, very naked away and, and basically telling you that you should leave the club and um, you're not good enough and all this and that, it's it's very, very tough, you know, in, in the sports world like that, you know, you don't really much get that probably any other job, even if you're a, doesn't matter what you are, you know, if you're sitting in an office working or you're a, a plumber working, you don't really get criticised in the media for you uh, if you don't put a pipe on the right way uh, in that way. But as a football, if you take a bad touch or you pass a ball at the pitch, you get judged by 52,000 people in our stadium or in the media the next day and telling you you're terrible at your job and you're not good enough. It takes a takes a mental toughness to be able to deal with that. And I struggled with that, to be honest. I really, really struggled with it the first time because that was the first kind of negative thing I experienced in football at that point. Because, I'd, like I said, to you, coming at 17 to AB to go to, within two years, to, to score my debut to then go into uh, to Rangers two years later, basically to to then go on to score cup winning goals, scoring uh, Champions League goal and all the rest of it. To then go on having a year where that was my first kind of bad bad year where it didn't really work for me. I didn't really have much confidence. It wasn't working well. Um, to be able to deal with that, uh, it was tough at a young age. You know, I was well, I was 25, 24, 20, 24 when that kind of started. 24, 25. And that was difficult, you know, was hearing also supposedly club legends and speaking bad about you in the media and the radio was talking about how bad you were. It was, that was not easy at all. Uh, very, no. very tough um, to deal with. So mentally, like you said yourself, a lot of people probably don't think about it that way, but it takes a special person to be able to deal with that. And not a lot of people can. And they also depend on who you got around I me. Mean, lucky enough, I had my, my wife and now, who's my wife now. And around me who was very good and her family was fantastic with me as well to help me as well and my own family and friends uh, supporting me and kept believing in me and telling me and to support me and all the rest of it so and um, but not a lot of people has that support around them um, so other people might uh, struggle with it differently um, but you can actually you hear it so when people don't really believe what I'm saying you know you can actually hear it especially if you see when I scored a goal against um, Inter Milan you can actually hear the commentator Andy Walker when he's, when he's talking about my, my goal when I'm running back celebrating, he's, he's actually saying in that the tough times that I'm going through at that point, he's mentioning it, just the slagging I've been taking, but mm -hmm. this is what I can do and, and stuff like that. And this is why it kind of changed. But they they even realised, you know, I mean, how much slagging I took at that point. Um, but it was, I don't know if I'm glad I'd done it. I'm glad I took it because nobody would want that, but it made me stronger. It made me like a stronger person mentality. I know I dealt with a lot of negativity a lot better than I did before. So, kind of helped me in the long run. That's, um, you know, I, I remember I remember a period of time where you were getting a, getting a bit getting a bit thinking in the media um, and people maybe there was stuff like coming out that, you know, maybe not strong, maybe not strong enough. You, 
you know, you've missed missed a few chances here and there. But my memory of you overall is that you always scored crucial goals for Rangers. Loved the pace that you had. Mm. You were always it was always I always felt when you were on the pitch, if you get a yard, you you you're gonna you, the good chance you can score. I mean, you obviously at Rangers had lots of playmakers and guys that could could give you good service. But um, no, it's yeah. it's good to hear because it's not all hunky jolly. It's not all just lifting the trophies no. and everything. You go through some go through some tough times. It's glad glad to hear you had support of your family, strong strong close knit bound there that, that that helped you through that. You know, so that 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 pretty much you know we could talk about your time at Rangers all day, but you've done other things in your yeah. your career as well. Um, you, you, yeah. Some other things that you ticked off the box. You represented Denmark at the 2002 FIFA World Cup. And you also played in the UEFA Euro, European Championships 2004. Special, must be special, special memories for you there. Yeah, that was two of my proudest moments as well. To be, first of all, being getting my debut at Danish national team was was huge. You know, it's one of the biggest dreams as a footballer to represent your country like that was just fantastic. But to be able to go to a World Cup and actually get game time as well. I know it was only about nine minutes, eight, nine minutes I got, but... I'll take it all day long, you know, I mean, be able to play at the World Cup was fantastic. And the same with the Euros, to be able to go to the Euros in Portugal. And, and it was special times. It's hard to describe because it's the bond that you have with the players that you're, you're in this camp for so long with these boys. And we had such a good friendship with the squad we had, at the, both at Japan, but also at the uh, at the port at Portugal for the Euros was it was just so much fun. And I loved being national team. Even the, when you didn't get picked for a national team, it was so gotten. Because I absolutely loved, I loved being there, not only just playing for our country, but being there and going home and getting the home Danish food when you had home games. And, you know, it was being in a big, for a couple of weeks, you were together as a group playing cards and having a laugh. It was it was the best time to be, was when the national team was, was, was there. And that's something I always, always remember fondly and I was so, I've been so proud of to be part of. Who were the? Where did you? I can't. Denmark always do all right in the tournaments, but where did you? Where did you? Where, where did you get to in those two tournaments? Um, yeah, both even in Japan, you didn't really well. You were in group with uh, Senegal, uh, Uruguay, and France. Terry Henry and Trezeguet and all them, you know, and Sudan and stuff. You know, they were favourites, and at that point, and they actually France getting knocked out of our group without scoring a goal. Believe it or not, you yeah, think yeah, you look nice. at the squad they have yeah. was incredible, mm -hmm. and we end up we beat them two 0 um, in that game, and uh, we went through the group stage, and we uh, yeah unlucky for us we we got England in the, in the next game after the group stage and we lost three 0 and that knocked us out. Um, but that was really special. I mean, to be able to go through the group, we didn't we didn't expect every group we had was tough. Uruguay mm -hmm. as well, we with Cobar and Foylan and yeah, stuff they had. You know, they were a really strong team. Senegal at that point as well was flying, was doing really well, and we went mm -hmm. through that group and you know we done really well. So um, it was unlucky. England was on fly, on flames, and they were too good for us. Um, but um, we then in Portugal and the Euros, we also went to do the group stage. We got through that as well, and we got ran into Czech Republic. And we lost to them as well in the next round after. But, but we always seem to get through the group stages most of the time yeah, always, in, in any always. any competition. Yeah. Why is that? Are you is it you know the the upbringing in Denmark of the the style of football you must play? It must be it must be well drilled because to to have that consistency when maybe you aren't always looked at on piece of paper as yeah. Oh, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have said before the fans game Denmark are going to be uh, should be no. France here. So the fact that you were able to do that, what's the what's the secret? 
Yeah, but I don't know if it's a secret. It's, you know, we can probably say it's the, the blood of the Danish Vikings and whatever, but I don't know. I don't know if it is, but it's, uh, I, I don't know. We always do well. To be fair, though, when we look back at the, the squad we had when in the, the Japan World Cup was incredible. Like, the team we had, the players that we had, was, when you look on the paper, they were all playing in the top leagues all over the, yeah. all over the world at that point in Europe. Um, you know, and it was it was so difficult. I could barely, you, I couldn't, I couldn't get a game either. And it was so so tough to to get into. And years to come, you know, we always had good players, and all our Danish players always seem to be going out doing really well in other countries. Um, and even now, you know, we have Casper uh, Schmeichel who's flying, and Christian Eriksen, yeah. and Simon Kerr at AC Milan, and you know, we have a strong spine through the team again. You know, like we've always had that. Um, and I don't know what it is but I think we just really drilled and we're really good when it comes down to these these uh, big tough rounds in the Euros or the World Cup or whatever we always seem to be pulling out the bag and well. you seem to hold your nerves or the big yeah. and being Scottish you know unfortunately too often we are all I mean we look like we might get there and we just don't <laughs> get, over, to get over the line just there to, to, to qualify for a, another yeah. tournament is brilliant for, for Scotland because it's been you know, my yeah. last memory was France '98. You know, and you know that's yeah. that's the last that's the last time we've seen it. But Denmark yeah. are always, always, yeah, we always there, always qualifying as well and getting through the group stages. So I, I had to pick your brains there. I think it is the Viking, the Danish Viking. <laughs> so you go on, you come back. Now your time at Rangers had, had come to come to an end. Now um, you've you played a bit of foot. You tried. You had a spell trialing at Middlesbrough, I think, but it didn't really work out. But you ended up around 2009-2010. You had a short spell with Newcastle, um, but that was then extended, and you end up having, I think, three three full three full seasons at Newcastle. Yeah, uh, almost four, three and a half years, uh, because I remember I came in in the January window of uh, when they went down the year we went down with Newcastle. So I got I had uh, yeah, so I played that from the from the January to the summer, and then I signed again for three years then um, to. Um, I left for Birmingham. Um, of course, I had a spell in Schalke after Newcastle, after Rangers when I went to Schalke for two and a half years. Um, that was a fantastic that, experience for me as well. What was that like? It's a big change in the culture and everything as yeah. well. Yeah, it was a big change, you know, culture-wise, but also the league is fantastic. Um, and it was, yeah, it was it was an unbelievable experience and also a, a very, very tough experience because... We should have won the basically league in my first year. We were like twelve points clear with eight games to go, and we ended up losing it basically last game, second last game of the season. Um, it was so gotten to be able to actually have won the league in my first year. <laughs> yeah, okay, it would have been fantastic, um, and I had a really good season. Uh, but again, I ran into a bad injury in my my ankle. The same ankle I had done in AB. Um, I'd done it again, but it was the two other ligaments next to it that snapped. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to get redone. Um, so I missed. Actually, all the the last eight games, I missed seven of them. And uh, I'm going back for the last game of the season when we almost won it. But yeah, um, but not not saying that it was because I was injured. We didn't, we lost the, the lead of 12 points. But yeah, it was tough to sit and watch as the gap getting smaller and smaller. That was really difficult. But also, my family, my, my wife was pregnant when we went across. And uh, she actually gave birth to my oldest daughter over in Germany, and that was that was also special in that way. Tough for my wife because mm-hmm. didn't really speak much English, so I had to be the translator between doctors and my wife yeah. and stuff. It was not easy, but that was tough. It was a tough, tough experience as well because, especially after my daughter was born, because I was never really home in Germany. You're in a hotel a lot, a lot mm-hmm. more than you are in, in Britain. I would say, especially in Glasgow, anyway. 
um, where every home game, every away game, you're in a hotel and you're away. And we were in Champions League, we were in all the cups. And so, you know, I was barely home, you know, we probably home two, two days a week, you know, where the rest I was in hotels and away playing stuff. So it was tough for my wife to be on her own with the kids. Yeah. So she was back in Glasgow a lot. And so I didn't really see them uh, much. It was also one of the big decisions why I left Schalke a half a year early because I, I, I felt for my family reasons I needed to get back to Britain kind of thing because we, I didn't really see them. Um, and I took a toll it's on a me. It's a little bit easier when your wife can just, you know, go from Newcastle to, the, to, yeah. to go to Glasgow to visit the family. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it was, it's more with my oldest girl, you know, she, it was tough for me to kind of keep the bond with her because she, she didn't really get to see me much. So every time she had to put it down for bedtime, I couldn't put her down because she was used to my wife's long hair. Yeah. She used to lie and play with her hair. But because... Yeah. I didn't. So she used to do to feel for it. I couldn't feel it, and she started I like, crying. I don't like this. I don't like this. No, she's like she started crying because she couldn't feel my wife. So it was it was tough um, to to kind of to deal with, and yeah, that was one of the decisions why I left. But one an unbelievable experience to to, to Schalke, a fantastic club stadium was incredible, um, and to go in and be able to go to Newcastle after so many years, where I should have been there in two thousand probably to to go yeah. there in two thousand nine instead, and. And doing, yeah, from then on, you know, it's history now, but the bond I have, and I'll still, till this day, I have with the Newcastle fans is, is phenomenal and something I always cherish. And it's just a fantastic time I had Newcastle, one of my best times as a player as well was in Newcastle. Big club. I mean, what was it like going into the into the Premiership? You know, you're coming, I read I read somewhere that one of your goals for Newcastle, you scored into the great Edwin van der Sar, and it was like, yeah. Well over a thousand minutes since he'd given up a goal, and you scored. Uh -huh. You were the guy to score into him. Um, you know those kind of moments. You you had a hat trick playing for Newcastle as well to, to against Plymouth in the FA Cup. You can see why you would have had you know special special effect on the fans. Yeah, I did really well, and it went really well for me Newcastle. I think as well. You know, like you say, I came in and uh, in the January window and yeah, trying to really yeah not going down, not getting relegated. We ended up going down anyway by a very, very bad luck in the end of the last game against Villa. We had a big deflection goal we lost on, but they, I had a fantastic kind of season there. You know, it's uh, like you say, scoring against Edwin van Sad to break the record, even though he would probably look back at himself and kick himself. He spilled the ball. He dropped the ball right in front of my feet and I just went, thank you, put the ball <laughs> back in there. It was a lucky goal in that way, but I'll take it all day long and, you know, it was fantastic. But, I had a special bond with the fans there because of what happened with my dad as well. You know, you were in the championship and you were fighting the West Brom for the top of the table. And I've just scored my hat trick against the Plymouth in the FA Cup. Um, and my dad had had Alzheimer's for about five, six, five years at that point and, and was taken really bad. Really, he was deteriorating very, very quickly. And he was only 61 at that point. Um, but he was, I remember flying back to see him after my hat trick because my mum phoned and said he's doing really bad at that point and uh, I went back to see him my brother came across and we went back to see him and then uh, I came back and we had West Brom uh, top of the clash table uh, they were only like two or three we were two or three points ahead of them um, and we played them at St James's Park and um, we went 2-1 down and I scored to 2-1 my dad had just passed by then by the way just to say I forgot to say that my dad had passed away two days before it and uh, I'd never, sorry, to go back then, he, after the hat-trick, I got a phone call from my mum saying, you need to come back. He's not going to last the 
much longer. And I said to her, right, I'll be back in the morning. It was like in late afternoon, so I couldn't fly home straight away. So I had to wait till the next morning to fly to the direct flight. It was like six o'clock in the morning. And um, I went off the phone, booked the flights, and my mum phoned me back like an hour later after that to say that he's passed. So I never even, I never made it back to see him before. Um, it always kind of haunted me a bit. Like, I wish I could have been next to him. And also for my mum's sake, I've been there for her when it all happened. And uh, um, after then flew back to see him one last time. Um, and that was really, really tough. Uh, never experienced anything like that before to deal with that. And you see your dad. Dad was one of my... Yeah, my biggest idols growing up, him and my, my brother has always been my closest friends in that way as well. It was, was tough to see say goodbye to a, such an important person in your life. Um, it was tough. And uh, I flew back and they didn't, my teammates didn't even notice, but they, 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 were, they didn't know I was going to show up to the game two days later. Mm-hmm. So I showed up to the game against West Brom and I walked into the change room and I remember them just like, Looking, come in, give me cuddles and, and asking if it was all right and stuff like that. And so that was fine. And, and Chris Hutton pulled me in the office before the game, before he was doing the team talk. He was going to do the team talk, but he came in and says, Peter, come here, and pulled me in the office. And he went, How are you? And I went, He says, Yeah, as good as I can be. He says, But he says, If you want to play, you'll play. And I went, No, I want to play. And he went, Right, you'll play. And then he went into the team talk, said I was starting, game started. and I didn't know this, but apparently when they said my, the team lineup before the game, the roar in the stadium was meant to be unbelievable when they said my name because the fans mm-hmm. didn't expect me to be there. I've heard about what's happened and then seen I was there. Um, and then when I scored, um, as you can probably see for the pictures of, of the game, that I was crying my eyes out. You know, I was I was balling. I was. I remember running back to the halfway line and see when you're running back and they start saying to say, Goal scored in this minute by and then they say my name. Yeah. The roar again that came at that point, I will never forget. You know, it was like I've never heard a roar that big in my life. You know, it was just unbelievable to the way the fans just kind of got behind me in that way. Um, and I've said in many interviews after, but I can never thank the fans, the Newcastle fans, and the Toonami for enough for what they did for me that day. You know, it was, and I think from then on, that's we've always had a special bond between them and me. Um, appreciation between the two of us has always been so big because of that but I remember after that raw came and I'm standing and kicked off again it was still two each it was about 70 minutes to go and I was running about playing in the pitch I was sprinting around but I was still crying I couldn't stop crying for about 10 minutes the emotions just took over me in that way and I was still I was in my head I was still chasing balls I was running about doing everything you do I was, my eyes were still running out of water. I couldn't stop crying. And I kept looking to Chris shooting, thinking, right, you need to take me off. You know, I kind of calm down here. Mm-hmm. And he left me on. And I remember after the game coming in, I said to him, I said, Chris, you probably should have took me off. I said, I was thought you would, I couldn't continue. He went, no, nah, I thought you were going to score again. So I was there's no taking you off. So um, I was like, okay, fair enough. But it ended up, we, draw two, we drew two each. And from then on, we kicked on. Unbelievable. Like the team just, we just we were relentless. We just winning every game, and that game we not we lost that game, and it, you know I think West Brom would have had a probably upper hand on us, and the confidence and maybe started to 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 take a gap away from us at the top, and we just rallied, and we just we were unrelentless, and we ended up winning the league quite comfortably in the end. You know we were just unbelievable, 102 points. Uh, it was it was it was quite a fantastic team effort, and what we did was was, was special. Uh, it's, um, you know. 
again your mental strength, mate. Um, to you know, you mentioned you've mentioned throughout from the start of when we started chatting about how much of an influence your dad was. You know, you worked with your dad's business. You know, your dad had an influence on your football. Um, so it's really sad to to hear. You know, but it just shows you. I mean, you've been through it now. Um, how quickly life can change and. You know, appreciate people um, for, for, for all you have, but to go to show the character to come out and score and play that game, um, I think you know your, your father would be extremely proud of you. That's that's a, a and I and I felt for you there. I felt my heart getting heavy when you were saying afterward when you were running around because obviously that moment, the roar, the goal, the emotions must have just yeah. all boiled over. Um, uh, but yeah, no. But big, big, big respect, and I can see why you've got such a close bond with the uh, with the Newcastle fans. And good, good, you know, great, great to hear. You know, you had you achieved all the heights there at Newcastle. You, you experienced just you, lots of success there, just like you did at Rangers. And um, you had to then you, you finished your career at, at Birmingham City, a couple of seasons there. Um, yeah. What was what what was that? Was that I read maybe some, was there some injuries involved during that period as well? Um, yeah, but I, I remember in my, my, I've had about five, no, six, seven months to go in Newcastle and I, I tore, I ruptured my thigh muscle in my right leg with my contract out. Um, 32 years old and you think, right, okay, your career's over. You know, you rupt a thigh muscle and uh, it took me for ages to get back from that as well. And I, but I was determined, actually because I wanted to stay in Newcastle. I wanted to get a longer deal, but Newcastle, understandably, probably at that time, you know, they took my injury and I was 32. They probably couldn't take the risk on me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I understood that. Um, but it was tough. I wanted to I wanted to stay because I loved Newcastle so much. I wanted to stay. Um, but I, f- I fought so hard to get back. And I remember we done we finished fifth in the Premier League that year. Unbelievable. I mean, we had that fantastic run uh, as a club, you know, and, Almost finished fourth in the Champions League spots, mm-hmm. uh, but we finished fifth in the end. Um, and Padu, you know, because of my contract, the way it was, that I, I could come back even though I was coming out of my contract, you still get an extra month if you don't have a new club. That's the rules, is that even if you're out of contract, um, you still get an extra month. So I could do my pre season with Newcastle still. So mm-hmm. I was fought so hard over my summer break. I worked so tough and so hard and to try and get myself fit for the pre-season in Newcastle mm-hmm. so I could kind of take it apart as much as I could to show that I was fit enough and all that. Um, so I did that and I, I quite quickly, I've always been quite good at getting back from injuries. My ankle ones I got back so fast after. I healed quite quickly apparently uh, for some reason and I pushed myself and I was ready to go. So I'd done pre-season in Newcastle and suddenly I got a from Birmingham, I knew Newcastle wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna stay there, but I just done my training there. So I done every single training all my preseason, and I joined Birmingham. Um, so, but it took me a wee bit of time still with my, my leg. I still, even though I was doing all the stuff, it was tough, you know, because I was getting probably a bit tired quickly in that leg that I was because the muscle had took a bit of a damage, so it was not as strong as my left one. Um, so it took me a wee bit of time um, and small nickels. You get older and you, if I didn't probably look after myself in the beginning as much as as good as I should have. And I started doing that, but it was tough. You know, I didn't really get on so well with uh, Lee Clark at that point and it was really difficult. Um, it was a difficult period, probably one of the toughest periods uh, towards the end of your career. You want to end on a high and, and stuff like that. But I had some great moments there, you know, I had some great games where, you know, they're always there's good moments for me because uh, I played against 
some of the national team goalies that I've played with over the years. So Thomas Sorens uh, was Stoke at that point. Scored two goals against him in one nice. game. We almost the knocked him out of the Exactly. So it was like, but the same Casper Michael we played with Leicester, scored against him twice. It was uh, to score against these boys was, was good for me. You know, it was always it was funny though. Every time we played yeah. Danish goalies, I kept scoring against Danish goalies. It was funny. Um, but it had some really good moments as well. Birmingham, fantastic games. Like that Stoke game again, Thomas Earn was, was was unbelievable. Like we were 3 1 down with down to 10 men. And they put me on the pitch. I was on the bench and put me on and I scored two two goals and we came back to 3 3. Almost scored a fourth to go, but we ended, uh, we went into extra time, and then we went into extra time, and then we lost in penalties. But I also scored my penalty, uh, so we also actually scored three against Thomas at that day. So I'll take that. But it was we got knocked out. Uh, I can't remember, but it was probably around seventy. I would say seventy minutes. We were down to ten nine. The bench thinking, I don't know if I'll do much today to score in a hat. Yeah. I know, basically. So that was a really good team. I had some tough time, tough, tough times with the with the manager there and meeting with his eye to eye and it was difficult to deal with and um, in the end it kinda that's why I kinda decided to stop because I could easily keep playing. I wasn't I wasn't because of the injury that I stopped playing. My body was fine, I could keep going. I got fully recovered from my thigh muscle and I was fine. But I lo- I just lost the uh, the desire to play. I lost that wee bit of love in, uh, of going to training. You know, me from Newcastle, where every day going to training, I could not wait to get out of the house to go to training. I was literally buzzing to leave the house to 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 go to training because I had so much fun and, and I loved going in a Newcastle train um, to be in the club and that because the group we also had some fantastic friends there that I still have to this day, um, especially Stephen Taylor, very close with. We had so much fun, you know, I mean, in training and, and, and but we worked so hard together and we worked so well together because we were always up against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, to go into Birmingham where, like I said, I didn't have that. I lost that kind of wanted to go to training. It was like oh, a grind and getting out. And I, I started to think to myself, I shouldn't be feeling that way. I shouldn't be doing this if I don't really want to. If I don't really want to go and do it, then I shouldn't. So that's kind of why I, in the end, decided to kind of retire and stop because... I could have probably kept playing had I got all the offers that I was interested in. I could have kept playing, um, but I decided to go against it because of because of that. Yeah. So, nineteenth of November two thousand and fourteen, you decided to to hang hang the boots up, um, but certainly didn't uh, didn't remove yourself from the game completely because a couple of years later, you returned back to Glasgow. You, you were just you, you fact that you've got a Glaswegian accent now. Um, I believe you're a good lady. Your wife is from Glasgow as well, um, and you, you you came back to Rangers May 2017 as a as a part time part time coach. But that led into you kind of running the reserve team. Must have been must have been happy happy to get get back to the club. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was actually it was quite funny the way it came around because it was um, I was getting asked by the club to go and interview for the assistant job for Casinha. Where Jonathan Johansson got that, um, and um, the club then kind of heard about that in the academy and wanted to me to go in and speak to them in there. So I went in and speak, spoke to them in there, and they said they could work with the 15s. Um, I wasn't really something I was at that point interested in. I thought mm, 15th, I was probably too young. I didn't think I would be able to uh, do it with the younger kids because I thought my mindset would want to do them to do stuff that they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. But they said, no, I'll give it a chance. And, and I actually loved it. It was great. You know, I, I went in and I really enjoyed it. The top, top talented players in there. So to really work with these boys, but like you say, quite quickly, I got 
moved from that up to kind of helping the 18s and then quickly went by the 18s and went in and kind of helped with the reserves to then end up kind of running reserves as well as well um and you know that was and then also working with the first team and then Gera came in and started then doing a lot of the kind of leftover squads like some some of the players that was left out of the squad for match days I took them so I took them for training so mm-hmm. I then made same training session with them I was my own you know and, and took them separately uh, from the reserves at times to look after them um, so it was, that was that was fantastic. I mean, I was really really enjoying all that, and um, especially working with close with the first team there. Michael Beal was, was fantastic, and Jada was unbelievable. I've learned so much from the way he organises stuff and really does his training. But Michael Beal has been fantastic with me as well, helping. Um, so, but then coming to this to this now, where uh, I kind of decided to leave because I had an opportunity to go and be a manager myself in Japan and. Yeah, unlucky enough because of COVID that nobody could have foreseen at that point. COVID has put a spanner into that and uh, postponed were that. You, and were you just it probably about doesn't to, look like it's going to happen now. Were you just about to literally what March of last year? Were you were you getting ready to to head over there? Yeah, it was basically done. It was all agreed, and I just needed to kind of sign. But because of the way COVID, what they had to kind of wait uh, some of the paperwork and. Um, because it kept getting extended, saying, "Oh, we need to wait. No, we need to wait till this time. We need to wait till every time we got to that, but it kept just getting postponed." Yeah. Um, and in the end, up it's just now been yeah put on really for hold for for now. So it's and uh, yeah, it's looked like it's probably out the window. So it's uh, it's a bit gotten that uh, it's affected. It's affected so many people this Corona in so many different ways. People losing jobs, but also people kind of get jobs. And same with me now. I kind of I couldn't start that job because of it. Yeah. And. Uh, that's really tough. So yeah, I'm just need to kind of focus on a new plan now. Where I need to look at other things and see what's available to to try and get into. Well, listen, you've got bags and bags of experience. I'm sure many clubs could take you up in your your services. Fingers crossed, things will will ease. But I'm sure you'll uh, I'm sure you'll somebody somebody will come knocking and 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 want you, and want you in amongst it. So you mentioned Stevie Stephen Gerrard there. Um, are you quite impressed with what you're seeing at Rangers just now in the last couple of years? You think, I mean, it's clearly going in the right direction this season now, but is that is it, you've been probably part of seeing what's been put in place leading up to that? Oh, yeah, you could see it right away when he came in, uh, the way he organised the, the place, um, his man. And also, I was on the, I'm on the pro license, so all the things I was learning on the pro license, I could see him doing it. Mm-hmm. see what he was doing I, I made me understand a lot better the pro license stuff I was doing as well um, and I've now passed my pro license I got the pro license sorted and I'm really happy with that that's a big effort for me like I said to you I wasn't good in school and I didn't do well yeah. in that to go and do this also in a second language to sit and write a 300 page book and do a presentation in a foreign language and stuff like that people probably take it for granted that I speak the way I do but it doesn't come by not by hard work you know yeah. I worked hard on that, and you know I'm really, really proud that I could have I've done this, that I achieved to pro license, and not many people could sit and do in a second language a 300 page book, you know, in in that way. And so I'm really pleased with that. But like I said, I learned loads from Stephen Gerrard about, um, to see the way he organises stuff and training daily. But like I said, Michael Beale, Gary McAllister, the way they operate and the way Stephen Gerrard gets them to operate is. It's quite extraordinary and it's, it's really, really cool to watch. And I learned loads from that, especially Michael. Michael was kind of close to me because we were, it was him and me that was kind of uh, speaking between the reserve the team, you know, what players were going up and down and also talking about sessions. And, and like I said, I was taking some of the players from the first team. So I was working very closely with Michael um, because of that. So um, I learned so much from him and I still do. I still speak uh, to this day. I still 
weeks. So it's been um, it's been fantastic, uh, and I think what they're doing is yeah, you could see it coming. You know, the gap got smaller and smaller uh, to Celtic uh, from the start that he came in, and now they've of course proven that the way they've, they're running the, the league at the moment. Are you happy to go on record, Peter, and say that the Rangers have have got this in the bag this season? Like I said, I was always, since my experience at Schalke with 12 points clear with eight games to go and losing it, yeah. it's always haunted me. It <laughs> it's haunted me forever. I will never take it for granted. I always say, nah, that, that, I will never say it's never over until it's over. But I would say now, the way the league is going to now, um, I, I think I think the mic. I, I don't think the Green is going to slip up that much to to lose the grip on this this title this year. Yeah, and the, the thing about Stephen Gerrard, whenever he gets interviewed, that he he never makes big bold statements. He just says the job's done. You can't. You can't. We go to the yeah. next game. So it's I think they're in the right place. But I think it's good for Scottish football. I mean, it's been missed the rivalry between you know Rangers and Celtic. When Rangers were out of the league for a while and, and making their way back. It just didn't have the same. Okay, Celtic were winning, and no. you know, good, good, good for good for them. They were getting tilted, but it didn't have the same buzz not having the two of them there. No, not at all. You know, I remember it from so when I was in Schalke, in Newcastle. Sorry, I mean all this was going on, and um, it, it could feel the difference. I remember going uh, with some of the, my teammates in Newcastle. We used to travel up to the Old Firm games and mm-hmm. watch them, and um, it was brilliant. Um, and then when Rangers then wasn't in the top league anymore. Nobody no cared. Yeah, there was nobody cared on there. Like uh, there was no talk about it anymore. Nobody, everybody always came in and seen what was going on in the Scottish League. What were Rangers and Celtic? Who did they win or lose this weekend? You know, yeah. I mean, everybody looked for that after games and stuff like. That. But after the, that was there, nobody cared about the Scottish football down there in England. Uh, I was in Birmingham and nobody talked about it. Nobody cared. Nobody seen what was going on. They didn't care about looking at Celtic one whatever because Rangers wasn't there, so the interest was was gone. Yeah. Um. So I said Scottish football needed Rangers back to where they are now. Um. In that way. Um. And I think it's better for 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 all Scottish football that we got that this rivalry back. Um. That that has been waiting for for so long. Um. I think it's hugely important for the for the Scottish football. No, it's um. It's it's for, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not. I'm a bit of a glory hunter in this one because I lost a bit of interest during those three, four years. A bit of a diehard fan, I guess you could say, because you're meant to follow your team when they're in the struggles and when they're not. But it was just hard to get. You know, you're used to what I grew up watching. All the players that you mentioned that your dad used to. Your mum and dad used to fly over and have a watch of Gaza, Brian Loudrop, Michael Moles, all these guys. It was a hard period for the Rangers fans, but mm-hmm. it showed the the loyalty and their and their and their back now. And it's uh, it's good to see that. Um, they're on the verge of stopping, stopping ten in a row. Um, yeah. Quick couple of quick fire questions, not uh, just to just to finish up with Peter. Okay. Um, best you played with at Rangers. Oh, <laughs> what a question! You said quick fire. It take me forever to think about this. No, like importance for me as well. You know, Arthur Newman was one of the most important and influential people me at Rangers uh, when it comes to on the pitch because it had not been for him helping me out in the beginning I probably would have been lost in the position I've never played before in my life uh, until I got to Rangers so he was and he was an unbelievable player he was a fantastic player um, but it's difficult just to pick one out like for uh, Arthur because Arthur was especially in his position but you could look at the players like Ronald De Boer and Barry Ferguson midfield you know they were they were top class players you know um, and uh, even Kenichi, when he came in, one of my heroes, you know, real fame in Maradona, you know, it was like unbelievable playing with people like that. Avalanche up front, unbelievable. 
Um, but Michael Moles, I wouldn't have to mention him because of two reasons. One reason was I'd never really seen him play before he got injured, his bad injury against Bayern Munich, but I'd seen him play after. And how good he was after, and everybody always said he would have been... He was, was not the same. He wasn't... That's what I'm saying. Like, he wasn't the same as before it. I just, I was, you're scared to think about how good he actually was before that. Um, and I'm, I'm ashamed that I, I didn't really get to see that. I've seen clips of him after now, but he's got the best turn in football. Um, so Michael is definitely up there with one of the best that I've played with as well. Um, so it's difficult to just pick one of them out, but, um, you know, Michael would be privileged. a good, be a good, I'd be a good choice. I mean, I, I remember in that Bayern Munich game in particular, he was running rings. Round them yeah. up until up until that moment, he was a class above uh, majority yeah. other yeah. players that played in. Even Scotland. George Elbert, you know, George Elbert was unbelievable as well. You know, it's just to pick one of them out. It's uh, it's not fair, really, because they also helped me so much. All of them, um, pitch under pitch and off the pitch, um, and also backed it up and how good they were. So uh, it's difficult. I know yeah, that I mean, was a hard question because at that point Rangers was just star studded. Okay, then I'll give you a next chance. Best at Newcastle you played with. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's a bit easier for me in a way. We call players, you know. Can I, if I can bring three players into this in a certain way, yeah. but it's just because for me to play with uh, Andy Carroll was so crucial because he made my game good because of nodding it on for you to play with him. Exactly, he was so good to play with because we also we understood each other so well. He knew me and he knew him the same with uh, Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Jonas Gutierrez was one of the best players I've played with for, the, for me as a person. Like, he understood me beyond anybody I've ever played with, except for my brother. Well, he, we, we talked before games what to do, and we, we, we went on the pitch and done it. It was just so good when it paid off. You know, he was just like, when I get the ball there, you do this, 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 and that. And when I did, the ball came and I scored. The amount of assists, if you watch back my, my goals, the amount of assists comes from him. It's incredible. I think half of my goals from Newcastle come from him for his assists. Uh, it was Gutierrez was unreal, but I'll have to bring in Jonas Kela. Johan Kebai was one of the best players I've played with, but the best I would say is probably Hatem Ben Arthur. When he wanted to be, he was the most unstop- unstoppable player I've ever played with. In that way, he could do whatever he wanted to do when he wanted to. But he was he was just so laid yeah, back. in and out, crazy, laid back like that way where. But when when he was on his game, oh my god, what a player! Like unbelievable football. Um, it was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so there's a couple of players that plays a big rig roles with me, and and also Stephen Taylor because of his defensive. I had to work against an out and out proper English tough defender each day in training because he trained the way he played games, and me and him we both in that and we all up against each other every day in training, and it made me better because. He was so tough, and I hated playing against him. And he hated playing against me in training. And it was so funny because you were best pals, but it was such a good competition for us in training. It was brilliant. It made us both of us better. Um, so these players were just phenomenal to be part of, uh, to be playing with. But I have to say, if we're looking at of who could be the best, like if it would probably be Hatton Ben after, he was just a, a joke. The best you played against in Scotland and in England. One of each. One of each. Yeah, but if I say in Scotland, does it have to be in the Scottish League or can I take it from Champions League football? No, it's going to, <laughs> I, 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 I'm narrowing it to Scotland, so you're probably going to have to name a Celtic player here. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, 
I would probably say Henry Glasson. Mm. That's a good. That's a it's a good he, class. He was him, but also to be fair, as an honourable mention for Celtic, I think uh, Henry Glasson was different class, unbelievable player. Um, I thought Stylian Petrov um, and Lubo Maracek. Lubo Maracek, I was going to say he was. He was, he was so often even underrated um, in that way. He never really got. But I thought, anyway, the acknowledgement that he should. He was a fantastic footballer. Um, I thought he was really, really good. Day three was probably the, the best, I would say. Um, and England, yeah, it, can, it can probably only be Kronos, Cristiano Ronaldo and Man United. Um, um, he was, not to be fair, it probably left then when I think back. Um, he probably had left. Right, okay. Um also with probably with Champions League Rangers he was there when I played him. Um, um probably one of my I would say probably Aguero. Aguero. Aguero from Man City. And I was lucky enough to actually get his, his jumper after one of the games because oh, he was good yeah. pals with, with with Jonas Gutierrez because of Argentina they played together. Right, okay. And I, I was begging Jonas for about Two weeks up to the game, I knew the game was coming, and I kept saying, "I was just doing this, just get me his top." I was just, the only thing I cared about is getting his top, and he got me the top after the game. I was buzzing, um, but he he was he was special. Um, but how can you know? I mean, there's so many. You know, I mean, if I played against, I played against Steven Gerrard, I played against uh, Frank Lampard, played against Rio Ferdinand, closely played against him, Rain Rooney. How can you not pick in a day's them as well? But yeah, you know, they were all unbelievable. Paul Schools, probably one of the best for me in midfield as well. They are yeah. like unbelievable. Um, but I, I named a lot of Man United players there. Um, just think of it, <laughs> but no, you know, even Carragher played up against him. I wonder what a player he was, Jamie Carragher. Like, I, I can remember, I never really managed you, you marked me at the game. I remember. I, I, uh, Anfield, unfortunately, he was so good. Um, but yeah, Aguero was one of my. Well, he, I played against him actually with Schalke, but he was at Atletico Madrid, and oh right. my god, that performance! He it was him and Forlan for for Atletico Madrid up front, and I, honestly, it ripped us to shreds. Oh, we lost three 0 at the at Atletico. They were so good. They were day two were unbelievable, and I remember from then on, I loved Aguero and. Um, then played with him against him when he was in Man City with Newcastle was just special. He was just phenomenal. But yeah, there were so many. Like I said, Rooney was probably one of them up there that would probably be the best as well. So it's difficult yeah, to pick one of them. When you look, when I ask about the Premiership, there's there's so many, so many great players. What's your highlight of your career? What's the one moment in your career that you look back on and you say, that's 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 one of my highlights. That's that's the moment. See, when you say that. It's it's probably the toughest question you can ever see because as a young young boy growing up, five years old, what I dreamt about was playing for Danish national team, playing the Champions League, and being a famous footballer where people wanted photographs of me. Yeah. That was the things, and I achieved all of that, all of it, um, and you know. So looking back, I say like proudest moments. The first time I stood and listened to the Danish national anthem for the A team. Not so much. You also use, but at the A team, the top team, in a starting lineup, was the feeling was just to sing your national anthem, stand there and sing it, and then it was there was so 
so so special and the same the exact same feeling I had the first time I stood and heard the the Champions League anthem at Ibrox when you when you stood there and you listened to that song and it's just it's day two moments are just incredible and it's so difficult to pick one of them because it's both of them I dreamt about since I was a young young boy um but looking back now because of where I'm sitting and what I went through the best moment for me now would probably be when I scored the goal two days after my dad passed away uh, against West Brom. Yeah, yeah. Because the moment people, unless you go kind of through that kind of thing, but also to be able to experience um, the love from people in the stadium, but afterwards and my teammates and that, but to be able to pay my dad back in that that way of, I know he would have wanted to. Um, I couldn't have done any better than what I did. basically scoring that goal and blowing my kiss up to him and, and stuff like that in that way where, you know, it's, it's something that I'm so happy that I managed to do and I managed to do it for him in that way and that's probably one of my proudest moments for that for that reason, because of that. Um, so that would probably overtake the two others, but the two other ones are just as, yeah, not just as, but they're so important because that's what I dreamt about since I was five years old. Yeah. So to be able to go and do it um, was special, but I'll probably say my dad because he still to this day now also still means so much to me. Also the way I am as a as a person, you know, the way I am with my kids, the way he was with my with me and my brother. Um, it's something that I've always tried to do the same with and trying to be like. Um, and yeah, that was the best moment I could kind of try and pay him back. And I, I thought I did, so that'll probably be it. That's the one. Listen, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure. You've given a real good insight into your uh, into your career, your life, your ups and downs. Um, fascinating to fascinating to listen to. You've done it all in the game. You've got to achieve all your dreams, and I wish you all the best now in your uh, in your next chapter. Like I said, I'm sure there'll be doors that open up for you in the in the coaching world, um, and you know difficult times. But let's hope this all passes and we we all get back to normality. But I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you very much. No, thank you so much for having me on. It's been it's been great. I actually never never really done so much of an interview like this where we've been talking about my background like that and, and being able to go into depth of it. It's, it's been actually really enjoyable. So it's made me think about all that. I know I miss my brother now a lot now. I sitting talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I really, really appreciate it. It was, it, it was great. And maybe we can do this again about my coaching, hopefully, career sometime. It could be good. Listen, 100, 100%, mate. 100%. Um, Other than the years when that's hopefully took off. Yeah, no, and I think that you're a young, you're a young man in the, you're a young man in that game, and plenty of time for you to to make inroads. But I'm sure you'll, uh, you just look at your background. You've got and now that you've got the licenses and everything in place. I think you're uh, you're well well on right track. It just happens to be that things are a wee bit strange right now and traveling and going to these things that slip that one slipped through. But like I said, other other one door closes, another door opens. It's already happened in your playing career. You were on a plane to Newcastle, and it turned to you know it just wasn't right. It wasn't the right time just to go to Newcastle. You were yeah. you were shit. You were saving that for later. You're in your right. Career. Yeah, you're right. No, it's a good saying. So look at it. I like look that. At it like everything happens for a reason, mate. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. You weren't meant to go to Japan right now, and, and there'll be something else yeah. that happens. But thanks again, Peter. No, I appreciate it. Thank you.